following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Labor, a labor law attorney come, who will help us with the legal aspect. Um, Greg Rosenberg is supposed to be here, he apologizes, he, had to, he couldn't make it. Um, so I actually, I, so I'm not, I really have, don't have a lot to say, I have to fill in for him now. So actually, just to address Dave's point, so every state, by the way, has different um, sexual harassment laws. So on the Texas Work Commission, State of Texas site, it says, um, just to address your point, David, sexual harassment can occur whether the harasser is female or male. You do not have to be of the opposite sex. So, so even if you have all males in office, you're still not excluded. Just letting you know. <laughs> letting you know. So there's a so so this is just to give you some of the overviews here. Sexual harassment. This is from again the Texas Work Commission. Can be unwelcome advances, requests for sexual favors, or physical touching of sexual nature. If you are subjected to any such behaviors and they unreasonably interfere interfere with your work performance or create an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment, then they may be sexual harassment. If you are subjected to an adverse employment action because you rejected any of those behaviors, that may be sexual harassment. Simple teasing, offhand comments, or isolated incidents cannot be considered sexual harassment. Hey, where is that? Simple teasing, ah. offhand comments, or isolated incidents may not be considered sexual harassment. May not. May not. It doesn't say are not. Meaning, uh, if, you, if it's just an offhand comment or an isolated incident, may not be considered sexual harassment. May not. May not. Speak to your attorney. Um, the the harasser can be your supervisor, an agent of the employer, a supervisor in another area, co-worker, or a non-employee. So this is very important, meaning if your FedEx guy comes into the front desk and he, and he bothers your, your receptionist every week, so that you can be liable for that. Point for the FedEx guy harassing your employee, if she told you about it and you didn't do something about it, you can be liable. So, point to another. <laughs> My experience, FedEx woman. Um, unlawful sexual harassment may occur without economic injury or to di or discharge of the victim. The harasser's conduct must be unwelcome. Okay, so enough said for the law. Now we're going to talk some Jewish stuff. So first of all, if, if you've been uh, living under a rock the last few months, you might not know that there's a lot of stuff going on out there. <laughs> Um, basically every day, I think, including today, there's new news. Today, I don't know if today's the, the male of the week. No, David Copperfield. Today's news. My daughter just found it in the car on the way here. Um, let, me, let me read you today's news. Where is it? Text? The magician David Copperfield. This is from today's Huffington Post. 11.39 a.m. This is Head of the Press. Check it out. The latest and the greatest here. Magician David Copperfield accused of sexual assault by ex-teen model. The former teen model says magician David Copperfield drugged and sexually assaulted her when she was 17 years old three decades ago. Etc. Etc. It's the same story. They just changed three the headline. Three decades ago? They just changed the, the name on top. <laughs> same story. Um, so basically, this is today's news. Yesterday's news, of course, was the, the doctor from the USA team, as you know, David Nasser. You read about that? He got 175 years in jail. 
Not, not enough. Not enough. But, uh, yeah, but, but I agree. I'd rather them be in jail and be tortured than put to death. Some of these guys should just be killed. And let him just be fortunate. Oh, sure. If you saw, the judge said, the judge actually said that um, it's against the it's against constitutional law. It's against constitutional law to uh, torture, cruel, unusual punishment. She said if it wasn't, she would. It's not cruel. It's deserved. No, I said it's cruel, unusual punishment. So she said if it wasn't against the constitution, she would. That would be her uh, her sentence. But since it's against the constitution, she can't do that. Yes. Didn't she open up <coughs> herself to appeal by making a lot of those comments? That she could have, like... Attorney, you got to speak to the... That is a good point. The fact that she voiced her opinions about the judge. I was wondering judge? she was uh, sort of silly to be saying all that stuff. That she right, was, she like, spoke giving too her much. opinion, like, yeah. I mean, she clearly had a dislike for him. Which is, you know, anyone would, but... I just wonder now if he can somehow... Work that into an appeal. If she had said it before the conviction, maybe, but not after. Well, that's true too. Yeah, she well, didn't. She didn't. She didn't influence it. Unless you could appeal the sentence. Can you but appeal the judge, sentence? The judges always influence the sentence. Okay, anyway, so so we are going to focus on the, uh, the Torah's perspective and all this, because that's all I know. Um, so so we're going to start from the basic introduction here. To dispel some myths about uh, um, about what the Torah's view is in general about women and about this. Now, this is what's fascinating about this topic, at least to me, is um, what it's I'm going to say. Sex, which you like to talk about. That is true. But, but um, what's fascinating to me is that it's literally, actually, if you look at the uh, the front of your handout, Doonesbury, I think that says it all. So Doonesbury explains that. Um, well, everything that's happening now, it's, it's all four months ago, or actually, let's say more than four months now, six months ago. It all started in August of uh, this year. Nothing, I mean, this, whatever is happening now, we couldn't have spoken about literally six months ago. Wouldn't have been uh, spoken about. Specifically, the Torah's views that I'm going to talk about and the halachic views that are relevant to this topic, I, as a rabbi, would, would never have spoken to this in public because it would sound so crazy and archaic. Any of these laws, but now with everything that's going on, it actually is amazing that I can finally talk about these laws in public because they're, they're so relevant. And the Torah, as usual, got it right 2,000 years ago, before, way before uh, Me Too hashtag. So, so it's just an amazing thing, which I find as the beauty, as you, I'm sure you picked up in this class in general, is the Torah usually gets it right way before uh, everyone else we got it right. So, so we're going to talk about. So, going back, we're going to start from creation. I'm going to work our way through. We're going way back, uh, way back to the beginning. Um, you have, you have a copy? No. Give you. Important stuff in there. inside. So we're gonna we're gonna go back to the creation. So the first thing that's relevant to this topic is just, for more philosophically, now we'll get into the practical. Is that, that when the Torah discusses uh, um, whatever you learned in Sunday school is wrong. I hope you realize that by now in life. Um, Sunday school, as we used to call it, Jew jail. Um, is not really, they don't give you the proper information. Um, that's why you need rabbis later in life. Okay, so, so the bottom line is, in Sunday school they taught you they created Adam, and then later on they took a rib, that's also if you watch the movie, that's what happens in the movie, they take a rib from Adam, and they created woman, Eve. That's wrong. 
Okay, the, the way the Torah describes it, we're starting from the beginning of creation, and I'll read it to you. Number one here on the inside cover, the Torah says, God created humankind, in his image, created him in his image, he created him, or them, male and female. Actually, in the Hebrew, the word is them. So the first human created was not a male. First human was a hermaphrodite, or a LGBT, whatever term you want to use, metrosexual, bisexual, you can use many different terms. The first human created was actually not male. His name was Adam, as the Torah calls him, he was human, but it wasn't male. The Torah says explicitly, the first human was, had both, was both genders. The front, or I don't want to say the front, one side was uh, male, one side was female. Okay, and then, okay, later on, as we'll see, he split them in two. That's thing number one that your son is still got wrong, and the movie, watch the movie, they also got it wrong. So that's number one. So, so it's important to understand, and the commentaries talk about why did God do it in that fashion, as we'll see specifically to make it clear that male and female are equal. Um, they're equal. Judaism, as we like to say, is not, they're different but equal. Okay, we're not saying they're the same, that obviously they're, they're different. Males and females have different aspects and different roles within within what their roles are. We view them, they have different roles, but they're equal, okay? And more so, hey, how are you? Welcome, welcome. It's new for you. I'm good. Oh, we've got, we got plenty of room here. Squeeze it in, squeeze it in. Hey, move up, move up. By the time you finally made it. I know. I'm sorry. I have some food down for the men. You got silverware. We got everything. Salad. So anyway, so so um, so basically, um, the first statement that we're saying, very important statement, is that when God created man, um, man, it wasn't just man; it was male and female. But more important, before we get to how they were created. Um, it says explicitly, and, and it's stressed more than once, it says, that he created man and woman in the image of God. And the, the purpose of stay, making that statement is, um, is, first of all, the sanctification of the body. That God is saying, we create in the image. The animals are not created in the image of God. Right? All, the, all the animals, the animal kingdom, which was created, by the way, prior to humankind, they were not created in the image of God. The, the purpose of Torah stressing that here is to say that the body is a holy is holy. Therefore, we don't treat um, other human beings, male or female, treat them just for our for for our lust. You know, it's meaning even as we know, even in Judaism, even matters of sexual nature are very holy. Um, when uh, it says that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, one of the most holiest things is is sex in Judaism. Okay, it says the Shekhinah comes down. Um, in a certain sense, you're always having a threesome. The Shekhinah is there. It says the Divine Presence is there in the room. Okay, so... so right over here. Okay, so so the, the point being is... Um, especially on Shabbat, right? Especially on Shabbat. Exactly. Oh, very nice. It's an email weekly to the watch. We'll talk about that after class. Let's not get personal now. We donate more money than exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so, bottom line is, bottom line is, the Torah is telling you, so male and female are created in the image of God, and they're both holy, and in all areas of sexuality, they're holy. As a matter of fact, that's what also discusses the concept of circumcision, is specifically done on that male organ. Why? To sanctify it, because everything done has to be holy in that area. That's number one. 
Number two is like we're saying, the Torah seems to be stressing very clearly, male and female, he created them originally in this manner. He didn't create Adam first and then create Eve. Because if he would have done that, the people would have said, oh, female was created second, she's not, she's not equal to male. So specifically done in that, in that direction. Is there anything that says why he, he then divided them? Like why didn't he leave oh. Adam? Oh, so first of all, it says Adam, originally, actually, it was this hermaphrodite, it says, what happened was Adam saw all other creations, all other animals were created male and female, and they were having a good time, and he was stuck, and he couldn't be happy, he, was, he says, actually, the Medrash said that uh, it's not for a family, not for a family class, not for a family class, please hold your comments while the tape recorder is on. Um, the, no, it's the, the, the Medrash says that Adam actually tried out every, he wanted a mate too, so he tried out every other creature, and nothing seemed to work right. So then it says he complained to God. He says, uh, complained to Hashem and said, listen, where's my, where's my mate? So that, at that point, it says Hashem separated Adam and Eve. Split them down the middle. So that's the next verse. If you look at um, the next paragraph. And the reason I brought that up was the whole LGBT idea about equality and whatnot. So there, it's not that that's like against God's not for today's session. We're not okay. going there. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, we did, that's a different session. I think we did that one, but we'll do it again yeah. for you. It's a good one. Um, so, uh, so it says the next verse says um, further on, uh, a couple of verses later in the next chapter, 221, it says, So this is the first, by the way, uh, surgery. Um, First, clearly sexual surgery, but also uh, under anesthesia, by the way, in the world. It says God put Adam to sleep, this, this, this uh, bisexual human being, okay, or metrosexual, whatever you want to call him. Allah Adam, Vaishan, he put him to sleep, Vaikachachat Mitzalotov. He took, so Tzalotov, this is where the mistake in Sunday school comes from. Selah means a rib in Hebrew, but it also means a side, like a side of beef. So, so the word, the Hebrew word there is Selah, but if you see the translation is, um, well actually this is a bad translation, it says he took one of his ribs, that's wrong. It says he took one side, the side of, and he split it down the middle. Um, then he gave them all a, a literal, in a literal sense, a backside. Both sides now got a backside. Okay? Um, and, and again, then the next verse says, He built the side, which he took from the original human, into a woman, then he brought her back to the original human. So now, um, Rav Hirsch and other commentaries stress very clearly that he divided them. Again, so it wasn't, so that means the original human who became the man was created from the earth. Okay, that's what it says. It says he took Adama, the earth, and then he then divided that original human into two. Um, basically, uh, one became, uh, meaning the new, the new creation was female. Now it says, so again, Sir Rev Hirsch, who's a commentator on the, on the Torah, a contemporary commentator in 1800, he's a German rabbi, he explains like this. He says, why did he do it in this manner? Because he says, that's why he explains why men, males, are much more... Um, as you know, the studies say men, I think it's a, an argument, two different studies. One say, think about sex between three and five seconds. The other one says between every seven and ten seconds. But whatever it is, men are much more sexual beings than females. Okay? And the reason, Reverse explains, is because of this creation. It says because man was created from the earth, from Adama. That's the, hence Adam's name was Adama, Adam. Why? So Adam is base. The female was then taken from already uh, an existing creation and is much softer. That's why females are more emotional. They're, they're not as base as males. Okay, so that's, that's something that's 
very clear from the original creation. The Torah talks about it, and the, what's relevant to us, not just trying to talk to you about creation here, is that the it's very important in the sense of that's why males you can't trust them. They're always thinking about. Let me just finish my thought. Males are constantly, and, and this is going to be the Jewish perspective, as we'll see in a second. Males cannot be trusted sexually. Um, that's a, that's a given in Jewish law. Me, they're always going to be in any setting. You you they have to be very careful with men. Women, on the other end, not so much. Um, they can be trusted, but the point is, they're constantly. There's a there's since their base, men male are created from the Adama, from, therefore they're more base, as opposed to the female, who's not as base. So therefore, it says to the Talmud, and we're going to discuss this soon, you, you should never put a male in a compromising situation, because they're usually going to fail the test. That's a given. Okay, that's the given in the, from the halachic perspective. All depends how you measure success. That is true. Okay, so what are you, you going to say something, Doctor? Oh, uh... Okay. Oh yeah. Well, so there's two questions. What was the timeline between Adam's creation and then being split down the middle? A few hours. Hours. And the other thing is, I thought that they did, he didn't realize that there was this difference until he ate the the apple. Um, no, 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 no. Of course he realizes the difference. I mean, you gotta you gotta be blind not to realize the difference. But he, he, but I he uh, that, no, he didn't. There was no shame in in nakedness. In fact, that's what came. There was the shame of nakedness did not come until he had uh, that part. Um, but but as far as obviously realizes the difference because they physically had children, and everything. I mean, but clearly the thing about yeah. they didn't they didn't Adam. use the same bathroom. They used a different bathroom. I don't think it's quite as negative because you have all the other animals. Also, it's the male is the one who instinctively is the one who tries to initiate procreation. Because no, I'm not saying I didn't say it's negative. I just said. I know, but you said that we I can't said be the trusted. males are more base. Yeah, yeah just, they're the more base creatures as opposed to females. Which, by the way, psychologically, I mean, you can help us. We have a psychiatrist here. Is I mean, I think. I think every male of every species that that, that, that relies on them to do procreation. Yeah, but that's exactly the point. We're not saying procreation is a bad thing. We're not saying sexuality is a bad thing. What we're saying is, men have one-track minds. Um, they're less emotional. They're more proactive. Part of it is they're more aggressive. That's, by the way, what it says. It says that the male is aggressive. The Talmud says this. Maybe things, times have changed. But the male's more aggressive in in sh the male's more aggressive in uh, in chasing and hunting down the opposite gender. Why? Because because it says Talmud asked the question. Why do men chase women? And women don't chase men. It says because they lost. You know, it's like he lost some. You go loose, so the, the Adam lost part of his, yeah, uh, he lost his other half. But all the other animals do the same thing. Right. And they so didn't well, go through that. They weren't split uh, that's up. That's a good point. Valid point. First of all, I'm not sure that's true, by the way. May, um, I'm not, all, not in all, uh, I can't speak, I'm not a zoologist, but not all creatures, some of them, the females are the ones that have these ornate. But usually you're right. Usually the, the males are the, are the more aggressive ones. Hmm. Okay? So it's a, that is a good point. Foul point. I'm yeah. Point will take. I want to get from the psychiatrist here. Listen, listen, listen. What about the spider that kills the male after they mate? They all oh, we're not talking about people from Louisiana. Don't they say better how? Those are my relatives in Louisiana. <laughs> the point is, um, no, I just want to know, do you agree medically, do we view males um, as more sexual or um, less emotional beings? Uh, we used to, but I think there's an image. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the one. I, th I think that it depends, and there's also like time difference uh, as people develop over time. 
men and women have a different hormonal surge and different types of hormonal synthesis, obviously, but they're not necessarily coinciding. So the male drive begins much earlier than the female drive. Uh, and so positive that's something that promotes the procreation. The female drive tends to come on later Speaking on, maybe like in the late 20s or early 30s. Jewish women is like the 50s. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so... Uh, Okay, so when it's go skip down to two now on the page. So that's so that's just a background philosophical introduction to understand where Judaism is coming from. First of all, we respect the respect of the human body. And it's a, it's a, what we call a Dover Kadosh. The human body is created in the image of God and therefore it has to be respected. It's not just a play toy. It's not something just for your fun. That's number one. So male or female, that goes both directions. But we're also explaining why men are um, created the way we are. We're hardwired in a certain way, different than females, okay, based on the creation and the story of the creation. So now, the, based on this um, background, so the Gemara says, this is a Talmud Kedushin. So this is an interesting Gemara. The Gemara there is discussing, the Talmud is discussing that um, part of the obligation of a father to a son, in those days it was just a son because women usually didn't go into the workplace, is um, a father has a few obligations to a son. One is um, fourth, uh, first and foremost, of course, teaching him Torah. Secondly, it's teaching him a livelihood. Uh, the third one is different opinions. I believe one says you have to teach him how to swim. You teach your children how to swim. It's an obligation on the father. But the, but what we're going to focus on, the Talmud says, is you need to teach your son a livelihood. Okay, how to how to make a living. Okay, now if you have a business, you take him in. That's great. Assuming it's a viable business. If you don't, then you can pay his way through Harvard. Hopefully, you get him a job. Um, there is a question that if that if paying tuition is a fulfillment of that, that obligation or not, that's questionable, debatable. Speak to your local rabbi. Um, but but the point is that is an obligation on the father. So in the context of that, Talmud says like this: very important discusses good good businesses and bad businesses. Give you basic business advice. But it also says like this: number two on the sheet here, quoting the Talmud, it says anyone whose business is with women, that means who whose trade, uh, for example, whose trade provides for the needs of women, that means you have a. a uh, lingerie store, or you sell lingerie, you sell uh, you know, makeup, I don't know. makeup, right? All these days, makeup go both ways. I guess lingerie can too, but um, whatever it is. So, so if your if your business is a business that provides specifically for women, um, may not be. So that num halacha number one is, you shouldn't leave that guy alone with women in, in the in the shop. Number, number two is a person should not teach his son a trade that caters to him. It's not, if you're going to teach your son a trade, that's not a good trade to teach him. Okay? You hear this, Alan? You, you make your, your clothing as unisex. We're men. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Why I still... <laughs> okay. Um, one should always teach his son a clean and easy trade. That's guy that, uh, that inherited the father's business with makeup, right? He got in all sorts of legal trouble for sexual stuff. Really? Which guy? Max Factor's case. Oh, yeah? Okay. So the point being here is so that what's the what's the I concern? Profession, okay. They cater to women. Yes. No, say that. No, but that's the point. The point is so. This is a uh, A.K. Harvey Weinstein. Without getting right. So um, as we're going to see, almost every case. If we're going to, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But my point is, let's say Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying his business only with women, but may, a lot of his business in Hollywood is dealing with. Models and actresses, where you're going to be secluded with them. Yeah. Half of it. No, more, more so than that's that. why he went into the business. That's what he wanted. Hey, that's exactly what I'm saying. First of all, I don't know if, he got, if his father was in the business. 
but uh, we're at, but uh, probably the point is it is a family business, the Weinstein business. But it's not a good trade. Listen, you might make a lot of money, true, but you're gonna get in trouble. At the end of the day, you're gonna get in trouble. That's what the Talmud saying 2,000 years ago, and of course we're seeing that today. So if your business is catering specifically to um, women, meaning in this case not catering to women, but you're dealing specifically so with your guys should make beautiful women, yes, that is an issue. We'll talk about that. Um, so, so that is a problem. The Talmud saying it's not saying it's prohibited. It's saying it's not a good idea. It's giving advice, financial. It's discouraging men from from developing businesses that cater to women. But the Talmud also is not necessarily encouraging women to go and start up businesses that cater to women, is it? I thought the Talmud um, is more encouraging to, to focus on spiritual sanctity of the home and whatnot. True, but we're not saying that these are businesses that should exist. We're not saying they shouldn't exist. We're saying you're going to train your son, give him something, first of all, that he can make a living, but make sure it's not something where he's going to be put in a compromising position um, in a, in a, you know, daily, because that's a dangerous situation. That's that's who's just giving you advice. Now, who should do those businesses? There's plenty, you know, there's a big world out there. Jews don't control every industry. There are industries, there are industries that we don't control. Few, and money. But okay, so that's that's number one. So that's a very important Gemara, um, in the sense of um, again giving you advice. Is what should you teach your son? A clean and easy trade. And what's a clean and easy trade? Um, clean, by the way, also it also means ethically and morally. Besides sexually. It also means that uh, it, you know you shouldn't. It shouldn't be a trade that's that there's theft involved or fraud. Obviously, that's also an issue. So it's not only dealing again. It's not just focusing on the more on the sexual aspects. Immorality can come in many different forms, including theft. So it has to be a clean and easy trade. Okay. So that's the Mishnah in, in Gemara. And then, by the way, it does go through a whole various list, list of professions. Of course, it says attorneys are. That's the worst profession to, to be in. Um, but, uh, but 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 we're not going there today. We're not going to discuss all the various professions. But um, but it does even by the way. It does not to pick on attorneys. It says uh, all the says the best of physicians in the same mission says are destined to gain them. Says the best of physicians are destined to hell. <coughs> so uh, it's a separate issue. Say that again. The best of physicians in this same Gemara. It's going through different professions. Says the best of physicians are destined to hell. So well, this is Gehenna, right? <laughs> 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 yeah. um, it sounds like Medicare patients. Well, you mean because eventually you'll screw up and mess up? Yes, something. that's one of the reasons. Well, it gives a little rash. He says a number of different reasons. One of them is malpractice because you, you're going to kill who don't uh, who are not paying? That's another thing, and and also you're desensitized to to illness and stuff like that. So a lot of different reasons. But anyway, it's a little it's a fascinating gemara. Not for now. It goes through different professions. Maybe we'll do it in a different class. Okay. So now I'm going to quote a Rambam. The Rambam is a beautiful piece here. The Rambam. So so again, basically the concern here is putting males in compromising positions. They're usually <coughs> not going to. It's it's the Talmud uses a beautiful term. It says. Uh, that means we can't trust anyone. And by the way, these and these laws we're going to discuss are even for big rabbis. It doesn't make a difference to your Mother Teresa, your whoever you are, the Pope. We don't trust anyone. Um, the fact that you're bigger rabbis, if anything, it says actually the Talmud says the greater the person is, he's the greater his Yetzirah is. You hear this, Alan? Mm -hmm. The bigger the person is, it says the bigger his evil inclination is. 
um, because usually holiness is counterbalanced by unholiness. So someone's very holy, so that actually it says they have a stronger design, they have stronger uh, drives. Um, and, and unfortunately you see this, no one's immune to, to, to sex, that's part of human nature, sexual drive. We're not, and we're not, again, we're not saying it's a negative thing. It might be a positive thing, but therefore we have to take precautions. Males have to take precautions, as we'll see, and females both have to take precautions. Not because of blaming the victim, but because we understand the male drive, the sexual drive is so strong that you can't trust any male. Okay? That's what the, that's what the perspective is, and as you see today. Um, so the Ram says like this, he says, so again, I'm saying, by the way, there's a story with the Chavetz Chaim, who we discussed here many times, he was a rabbi, he wrote, he was, his magnum opus was on Lashon Hara, he, was a, he lived, he died in 1932, old, old rabbi, very pious man, and he once went over to a guy, he came to a guy's office, probably to fundraise, as rabbis do, as you know, and, uh, and um, he, the guy had a pretty, you know, he had a pretty secretary, so he told the guy, and he went to his office, he says, listen, you know, you gotta be careful. Receptionist, you know, you gotta be careful. So they said, Yeah, don't worry, I'm immune to the stuff. He says, I got no problem, I don't, I don't look at her. So the Chavetz Chaim, he was in his 80s at the time, he said, Listen, I'm pushing 90. He says, And I have, you know, and I'm looking at her. He says, You're gonna tell me you're not looking at her? That's what the Chavetz Chaim said. So there's no one meaning, again, just because you're this great rabbi doesn't mean you're immune. Every, you know, no one's immune. Okay? Um, and that's what the Talmud says, which means that there's no caretaker. When it comes to sexual immorality, there's no caretaker. Anyone can fall from their grace. We don't trust anyone. So you say you should discriminate against pretty women? Oh, I didn't say that. You say you gotta... You can't hire you. You gotta be able to look at it. Okay, so number three. But that's not illegal, though. Um, it says, so number three, this is Maimonides. Maimonides talks like this. He says it beautifully. And as you see, by the way, as we know, it's nothing new. Obviously, everything that's coming out now in the news in the last five, six months is only becoming public. But as we know, these things were going on for, for many years before this. As a matter of fact, as Maimonides will say, it's been going on for thousands of years. Ain't nothing new under the sun. Says Maimonides, our stages said, a person's soul desires and craves theft and forbidden sexual relations. It's normal human nature. That's part of being human. You will never find the community, says Maimonides, written... Um, this is written 700 years ago, approximately, 680 years ago. You will never find, actually died 680 years ago, it was written around 700 years ago. You will never find a community that does not have some people who are promiscuous regarding forbidden relationships and prohibited sexual conduct. It doesn't exist. That's part of human nature. Moreover, our sages said, most people trespass with regard to theft. Um, that means the majority of people end up committing, you know, you cheat on your taxes, right, you <coughs> stretch the numbers, something, you know, on the bank application, whatever it is, your credit card application. So everyone has, oh, he says a majority of people commit some form of fraud. Um, a minority with regard to forbidden sexual conduct. He says minority people um, violate, and this is again, my manly speaking, and all with regard to the sh shades of undesirable gossip. Comes to Lashonara, everybody speaks Lashonara. There's no such thing. He says, uh, Talmud actually says, ain't sadik even the most pious person in Judaism, again, we believe that even the most pious person sins daily. There's no such thing as a person who didn't sin. If you didn't sin, you're an angel. Okay? No, but, uh, but we all go to We the don't believe in the Pope, in saints. That's why Judaism doesn't believe in that, because we <coughs> believe even the greatest rabbis are capable of sin and have <coughs> sin. It's not possible for someone not to sin in their lifetime. Sorry. We all go to the Genesis Steakhouse on Mondays, and, and Jack had talked about Lashon Hara, so we're all... Pretty good. Okay. <laughs>
Gotcha. Um, okay, now this is the bolded letters, very important. Says my man, he's, he should be very careful with regard to entering into privacy with a woman, for this is a great cause of transgression. Basically, what my man says is almost every sin, as we're going to talk about, there's a concept in a second, we're talk about there's a concept in Jewish law called Yichud, which means you're not allowed to be secluded in a private place, as we'll talk about, or in a locked room, with a member of the opposite gender. Okay, this is where it comes in, David, the opposite gender, only the opposite gender. Um, so there's, that's, that's a halacha, as we'll see, according to many, it's a biblical prohibition. Okay, it says Maimonides, if you keep that law, you'll never have a problem with sexual uh, issues. Um, you'll be totally fine. Have a great marriage, life will be awesome. Um, uh, that's what the Maimonides says, meaning any sexual morality comes, starts with that. And by the way, and I've done this, any, I've gone through every single case of Harvey Weinstein. There's a lot of them, at least the ones we know about. The ones that the, the lurid details were described. Every single case would have been prevented if they would have kept the laws we're going to discuss now, which is not secluding yourself in the room. Because every single case with Harvey wasn't public. What was, he had a meeting in the hotel lobby, and then he sent a message either by text or his secretary called a woman showing up to the meeting and said, you know, Harvey's not feeling well. He doesn't have time to come down. Go up to his hotel room. That's where everything happened. So every single case that happened could have been prevented, at least with Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying every single case. And if you look at Bill Clinton, and I can pick on that, right? And if you look at, if you think of any sexual harassment case, not sexual harassment in the global interpretation of it, but I'm saying where there was actual unconsensual um, sexual actions taking place, it, well, it could have been prevented if they would have kept the laws that we're going to learn about now. And that's what the Rambam's saying. The Rambam's saying, if you are careful with this law, you won't have any issues. So this is just a fascinating thing, again, to see how um, they got it correct in that sense. Again, the Torah once again got it correct. Okay. Thank you for coming. Excuse me, as a funeral. Um, okay, so that's the Ramam. So let's. So I just want to discuss um, slightly when we go some of these laws of Yisrael, and also it does pertain, as we'll see soon, there is a difference in professional settings. There are exceptions to the rule, as we're going to see, um, when it comes to, let's say, a, a, a doctor seeing patients. Someone mentioned before, let's say, a gynecologist, or even that. Um, how does that work? So I can't be secluded in a room with a member of the opposite gender, so then many times I can't do my job, I can't do my profession. Um, so, so just to give you a basic overview here, so we're on the third side here. So this is the, what we call the laws of Yichud. Yichud means, literally the word in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word, which means seclusion. Again, this is it's not something, that, it's not a rabbinic convention. It's based on uh, Torah sources. Um, okay, so, so it says like this. It says, the prohibition in general mean, is a general prohibition. It says, being alone with someone of the opposite gender, Jew or non-Jew, we don't discriminate, married or single, even if they are elderly or infirm, we don't care what they look like, um, how much they weigh, it's all irrelevant, what size dress they wear. Even if they're elderly and form and of the highest moral fiber, it's still forbidden. Once, no, it's a, it's a, it's a flat fee rule. Okay, that's what I'm looking for. It's, it doesn't make a difference. We don't discriminate how old you are. And you know, the guy says, listen, now I'm 95. You know, there's nothing to worry about at this point. Again, we don't trust anyone. Um, uh, the highest moral fiber, it's forbidden alone, includes any space of seclusion, even if it's an open field where no one is around. So meaning alone, it doesn't mean you have to be in a locked room in Motel 6. Or right, that's not what alone means per se. Alone means you're in a place where you're not concerned that someone might show up, someone might disturb you. Okay, so for example, if you're taking a hike in the, in the Mojave Desert, 
okay, or in uh, some some place which is secluded far, so you're not concerned someone else is going to show up there, and you're taking a hike, you're going on a date with someone, you're a hike alone with someone, that's also a problem. Because again, the concern is, is not, it's the seclusion of it. So seclusion doesn't mean you're in a closed room and the door's locked. It means that anywhere, technically, there's no, no one, you're not concerned anyone's going to be around. So it can be a public place. So for example, let's say you're staying late at the office and uh, your secretary's staying late and you're the only two in the office and no one else is coming in. That's also technically secluded. If other people have a key card, they can just show up um, and, you, and people tend to do that, then that's fine. But if you're alone in the office and you and the secretary, and even if she weighs, you know, 500 pounds, doesn't doesn't change the halachas. That's a problem. It's prohibited because of the concern of what could happen, or what might happen, or what may happen. Alan, you're being very quiet. I'm getting nervous. I don't know what you have against fat. I'm nothing. Against. Um, okay. Okay. So now, um, so. So, uh, so that's the general prohibition. So some of the rules. So first of all, underage um, is an exception. So one be, may be alone with a girl under three. We're not going to get into all the details. I'm just going to read through it quickly. If you have any questions, stop me. Um, boy under nine, those are not, there's no issues there until they're sexually mature. One may be alone with the following close relatives, parent, child, obviously. When we say members of the opposite gender, it doesn't mean you can't be secluded with his wife. Um, um, or a parent or a child, obviously. So parent, child, grandparent, grandchild, sibling. Um, now, this is, this is an important exception. It's an interesting rule that if the woman's husband is around, even if they're not in the locale immediately, but they're in town, so is, then there's sort of a leniency where um, the halacha says that if, you know, the, the mice, well, how's it go, the cat, uh, the, Mice play when the cat's away. Right, the the cat, the mice play when the cat's away. I think that's the way it goes. So the so the assumption is that the husbands can show up at any time. So the wife is concerned, and therefore there's a leniency that seclusion is allowed. Um, it's only if the husband is not in the same locale. Okay. Um, now the other thing is what we call pesach pesuach. It means the halacha says if you leave the door open, so even if it's secluded. But if anyone could walk in, so this is a question, what open means? Does it mean the lock is open, or does it mean you actually leave the door open? So for example, uh, this happens to me often, this is a common scenario, I have a, uh, a cleaning woman comes to the house, um, and I'm home alone. <laughs> Please don't tell us about that. <laughs> okay, so lock is, so what do I do? So what I do is I take my front door and I have a, I usually have like a thing by the front door, I put, I keep it slightly ajar, I put something there, it's completely fine open, you know what? you know, things walk into your home, uh, mm. you know, uh, cats and stuff. So and that's what I do. So who knows if my wife is at home, that's what I'll do. Um, and that, so that in itself precludes halacha. So that's an allowance. It says, you know, as long as you're not, meaning, so now when, actually it's funny, when a mailman comes, he always gets nervous. He knocks on the door, he sees the door slightly open. The point is, if you're concerned that someone might show up, so that allows you to be secluded with that member of the oxygen. Do you need to leave it ajar in that situation, or can you just leave it unlocked? Right, so there are opinions. When we meet with patients or clients. Right, so there are opinions. So again, so it's a very good point. So, so listen to this client. No, no. Yeah, because that brings up like right. uh, so, uh, confidentiality. Yes, so so that's a very good point. So what happens if you're meeting a, you're a doctor meeting a patient, you're the, or you're an attorney meeting a client? So the so there are opinions you say a jar. It doesn't have to be a jar. Open just means the lock is open. Unlocked. So that means it's unlocked. That's sufficient. Meaning as long as you're concerned, your secretary might open the door and say you have a phone call. That's sufficient.
You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Thank you.